This is Sci-Fi Talk Weekly for October 5th, 2023, my episode number 70. I look around the internet for news on sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics. And this is on Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore humanity. I'm Tony Talata. Here are this week's headlines. The score of the film creator, Gen V, including my thoughts on this new series, Michael Gambon honored. Dune goes Monopoly, that and much more. Collider has partnered with 20th Century Fox to preview Hans Zimmer's score for The Creator. The film is about humanity's conflict with artificial intelligence. An operative named Joshua, played by John David Washington, is recruited as a last-ditch effort to end the conflict by destroying the mastermind behind it. The Creator cast includes Gemma Chan and Ken Watanabe. The film is now playing. There's more of Sci-Fi Talk Weekly, Episode 70, so stay tuned. Gen V, the boys' spinoff, has a diverse and young cast that deals with more than just being young soups at school, according to Bleeding Cool. That website breaks down all of the characters. My thoughts? What I liked about the boys is how they mix in satire with all the gore for being out-of-control superheroes. This series has had a share of gore and some WTF moments, but lacks that satire which makes the boys special. It's too soon for me to throw this under the bus. Perhaps they are forging their own identity, but at times, this feels like its own super universe. Variety reports that Daniel Radcliffe honored the late Michael Gambon. Radcliffe's statement to Variety echoes warm sentiments towards the actor. He wrote, With the loss of Michael Gambon, the world just became a considerably less fun. Michael Gambon was one of the most brilliant, effortless actors I've ever had the privilege working with. But despite his immense talent, the thing I remember most about him is how much fun he had doing his job. He was silly, irreverent, and hilarious. He loved his job but never seemed defined by it. He was an incredible story and joke teller, and his habit of blurring the lines of fact and fiction when talking to journalists meant that he was one of the most entertaining people with whom you could ever wish to do a press junket. The sixth film is where I got to spend most time working with Michael, and he made the hours spent in front of a green screen together more memorable and joyous than they had the right to be. I am so sad to hear he has passed, but I am so grateful for the fact that I am one of the lucky people who got to work with him. It's a huge loss not only to Harry Potter fandom, but to the acting community. Bleeding Cool reports that Dune has its own Monopoly version. It takes the classic game of real estate and turns it into an all-out war, according to Bleeding Cool. The official description reads, Dune offers players an opportunity to navigate the treacherous sands of Arrakis, buying, selling, and trading influence with iconic characters from the Dune universe, including Paul, Emperor Shaddam IV, Princess Urulan, and more. The game features custom tokens inspired by the items from the film, such as the Hunter Seeker and Gom Jabbar, adding an extra layer of immersion to the gameplay. It's worth a look if you love Dune or sci-fi. Felicia Day has a new Audible series out today called Third Eye. 
Here is an audio clip from the series and part of our conversation, which will run tomorrow on Sci-Fi Talk, where she talks about how her personal life influenced the audio script she wrote. Back in Laurel's bedroom, Kate continued to work on Laurel, which did not work. Why can't you treat me like that baby Yeti you and your classmates saved sophomore year? You took such good care of it in the book. Uh, that Yeti gave my friend Paul rabies. Oof, really? Whatever happened to Paul? There wasn't much else in the book about him, only that he liked to eat paste. Total red shirt, am I right? Red shirt? Hey, he was a kid who existed, Kate. But, yeah, yeah, he was kind of a red shirt. What? Oh, God, now my mom is texting me? Huh, huh, where did I put the sage bundles? I need to smudge my phone. You're not going to text her back, but you guys are so close in the book. No, I haven't spoken to my mother in years, for good reason. But she saved your life, and you don't even call on her birthday? Ouch. I am done taking trips down trauma lane with you. Listen, for your safety and mine, uh, Sybil went to go get Marshall Robigas. You're going to mind wipe me? Uh, Damn it! That book is way too detailed! Screw this! I'm not getting mind wiped! No, you, no, no, no. Kate, you cannot go! Yes, I can. Escaping crappy situations is one of my specials! No, let's go! Um, I think whenever you start with a main character, you have to have something that deep, I think, in order to have a, a character that you could go on a long journey with. And yeah, I, I was a violin prodigy when I was a kid, and I was also somewhat of an internet prodigy when I was an adult. And... Both times in my life where I was extraordinary, I had, you know, a grandiose fall, or at least in my mind, I didn't live up to what people thought about me. And it was very devastating, especially the one where, you know, I didn't revolutionize internet quite as much as I th everyone thought I did. And these were all in my head, but at the same time, they're real. And how do you have your identity based on um, this reputation, this expectation, and then you fail it. What, I mean, what is it like to be an Olympian who places 30th, 30th, right? But that's a very real thing. And all of us feel failure and all of us feel the pressure of expectation. And being able to channel that personally really let me work through some demons, but it also gave me a character that was really, really fun to play with, um, as well as just kind of subvert some tropes because chosen ones are so common in fantasy and sci-fi and i read all of it you know uh, what 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 can we show people that is a little bit different and i'm really glad you said that i, I appreciate that and i am i am honored <laughs> uh, well look for third eye now at audible.com i film reports that star trek's makeup artists had quite a chore to bring data back for star trek picard and make him look young again Makeup artist James McKinnon talked about the challenge to iFilm. If they had the same skin, it would be easy, which they don't. Brent is not a spring chicken anymore, but he looks fantastic. We have little tips and tricks. And that's our job. Besides makeup brushes, we have magic wands as well that we can pull and tuck and soften with makeup. If it's too much, visual effects steps in. Like for season one, they stepped in and got rid of a little bit of Brent's age, but not enough where it changes who he is as a person and then as a character. CGI and practical brought him back. That's pretty cool. Screen Rant reports that Teen Titans issue one in World's Finest, Batman did not teach Dick Grayson a valuable lesson. Brian Colucci writes, Spoilers for World's Finest Teen Titans number one, in the DC Comics, Dick Grayson, a.k.a. Nightwing, and his overbearing mentor, Batman, 
have a somewhat strained relationship that forced Dick to strike out on his own and dig deeper into his super group of friends, professionally known as the Teen Titans. And now in a throwback tale that fills in their early days, Nightwing, then holding the mantle of Robin, is shown to be missing essential skills that thanks to Batman, stop him from being an effective leader he needs to be in the moment. And although he has gained much needed emotional intelligence from the likes of Tim Drake's Robin, Barbara Gordon's Batgirl, and even from his similar emotionally stunted son, Damian Wayne, Bruce in no way was prepared nor capable of passing on the same impassioned skills when training Dick, leaving him without the imperative knowledge of how to act as a supportive, empathic, and compassionate friend and leader. There is much more at Screen Rant. Filmmaker Jeffrey Morris has a new documentary on Kickstarter called The Eagle Has Landed about the eagles flown in the TV series Space 1999. We spoke recently. Yeah, I mean, it really looked like something that was practical and could work. Um, yeah. And I, I kind of like the kind of like the step down, sunk in cockpit. I thought that was an interesting choice. Oh, see, I love that. You're the first person to bring that up in, in any of these discussions. But like, I really, really liked that. I thought that was so that kind of pit. Yeah. You know, get in and then and then the chairs would slide into position. I loved that when I was a kid. I thought that was so cool. Yeah, when I was young, I remember uh, was, we would go visit my cousin, and I lived in Arizona at the time. But we'd go in, in Illinois. How did you find? How did you get in touch with like Brian Johnston, who designed the original one, and also did Nostromo for Alien, and um, among a ton of other things he did. Yeah, he worked on The Empire Strikes Back. He worked on Two Thousand One: Space Odyssey. He worked yeah. on. Uh, Oh gosh, Dragon Slayer, which is a movie I like. Um, Brian's amazing. I, you know, I, I first met him through a connection. I, I work with a company called Machinarium that's based at the Pinewood Studios in London, and they are uh, they have a lot of connections with these legendary film people in in England. You know, because they're because they're, they're they're making movies in the exact same spot that all these old. You know, as a matter of fact, the, the stage where Space 1999 was shot is very close to where their facility is on the same lot. You know. Um, so these people, they they interact, they have a, they have relationships, and I, it's it's a pretty neat thing to be able to uh, connect. You know, they they were able to kind of connect me with them and everything. So it's great. So I, I had lunch with Brian. Uh, gosh, I think it was my 2017, 2018, somewhere in there, and um, and we we hit it off. He really liked what I was doing, what I was up to, and uh, we've kind of stayed in touch basically since then. And when I let him know that I wanted to do this documentary, he was very interested. So, and mm -hmm. then, so I was just over there in um, February in, in the UK and I, I had lunch with Brian and he told me all about his career and his life. It was really, really a very heartfelt, very powerful conversation. And I, I realized there's, there's more to this story than just the Eagle, you know? And, and so with him, I want to be able to have the audience get to know him. You know, what, while we're talking about the Eagle, I want them to get to know him as well and the things that he, he's accomplished. And, you know, um, the Eagle is just one part of it. Visit eagledocumentary.com for much more, and also visit their Kickstarter page to fund the documentary. Game Rant reports on Game of Thrones, House Tyrell explained. Here's a sample of the family's history by Bisma Fida. The history of the Tyrell says that they rose from the order of stewards and were catapulted into prominence during Aegean's Conquest, reported to be an upcoming Game of Thrones prequel. 
Before them, the Kingdom of the Reach was ruled by King Mern IX, Gardener, who refused to yield at Agan Targaryen and fought until the end. Mern and his entire line were buried alive in Field of Fire, and one of his nephews succumbed to the wounds three days later, in the aftermath of the battle. Much more at GameRant. There is more to Sci-Fi Talk Weekly, so stay tuned. According to Game Rant, Netflix renews SF series Alice in Borderland, as reported by Anime Corner. Robert Scucci writes, The original Alice in Borderland manga ran from 2010 to 2016 and has 64 chapters across 18 volumes. Seasons 1 and 2 of the live-action adaptation all but covered the main story. But there's a sequel, Alice in the Borderland Retry, and a spin-off, Alice in Border Road, that could be used as a source material to carry Seasons 3 narrative. More to come. Collider reports that the Wheel of Time on television made some changes. Kendall Myers writes, from changing Matt Cawthon's character, played by Donald Finn, progression to adding new romances, the show is unafraid to go its own way, and sometimes it works. But other times it creates unnecessary confusion. One unfortunate change occurs in Moraine's Rosamund Pike story, greatly impacting the character's plot, and not for the better. The fact is, during this part of the book series, Moraine is mostly searching for answers in ways that don't require her to use the One Power. Learning everything she can about the prophecies of the Dragon Reborn, Moraine prepares herself to guide Rand, Joshua Stradowski, and does her best to earn his trust even when he is unhappy with her. But, like in the show, she isn't always by his side. After the fight for the Eye of the World, she sends him on a mission to deliver the Horn of Valerie, but she does not ensure that he is second in command, hoping he will gain experience in leading. Much more at Collider.com. Stacker looks at the best Twilight Zone episodes of all time. Here are a few of them. Number 100, Probe 7, Over and Out. Richard Basehart, before he was Admiral Nelson in Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, and a woman explorer a new world after his ship has crashed there. Number 99 is A Quality of Mercy, which has quite a cast with Dean Stockwell and a young Leonard Nimoy. As a young lieutenant, Stockwell learns quite a lesson. And lastly, one of my favorites is number 70, and it has a young Martin Landau and directed by Richard Donner about a man caught by a master spy who's trying to defect. Much more on these episodes at Stacker. iFilm reports that Rod Serling had a favorite episode. Time enough at last has Burgess Meredith as a bookworm after an apocalypse with all the time he needs to read all the books he wants. They break down the episode for our enjoyment. I'm not going to spoil the end. Lastly, here are 10 times Vulcans were villains, according to Screen Rant. Just a few. The Andorian Incident, Star Trek Enterprise, The Vulcan Monks, Cybok in Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, with Lawrence Luckenbill as Spock's wayward brother. Ironically, his wife is Lucy Arnez, whose mother was Lucy Ball, who gave the green light for Star Trek. How about that? Volatic in Star Trek Discovery's Lathy. 
Vulcan logic extremists who believe in true Vulcan logic above all else. Velatek infiltrated the inner circle of Sarek, who at that time was played by James Frain. More at ScreenRant.com. And you can enroll in Sci-Fi Talk Plus with exclusive uncut episodes. Just click on the link in the show notes and it's free for a lifetime. And that is my Sci-Fi Talk Weekly, episode 70, for October 4th, 2023, first one of the month. Back next Thursday, this is Tony Tolado. Thanks for listening.